The RPG After Years is part of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Find out more at probablywork.com. Welcome to the RPG After Years, your weekly show covering all things RPGs from the past, present, and future. I'm Scott, and with me today is some guy that lives with me and won't stop hitting on me. It's Corey. Uh, so this is episode 34, and today we'll be continuing our review of Persona 5 Royal. Since it's a review, we won't be doing any catch-up or anything like that. Today, we will be covering the remainder of the story, assuming we do good on time management. Uh, Hopefully, we'll finish up the story. We'll see how it goes. And then in part three of the review, which will be in two weeks from this episode, uh, we'll talk about the gameplay, the new royal content, and our final rankings. But before that, let's talk about the save state of the podcast. All right, guys, the RPG After Years has a Patreon that is still bonking along. Uh, So let me just go over the benefits of that real quick. Um, So one of the benefits is you get early episode access. The episode usually comes out a couple days before the main one. Um, Not it varies. Sometimes we even get it out like on Monday. So um, that's pretty good for you guys. Um, You get ad free episodes. So all the anchor ads and the network promos that we do, those aren't there. You also get the aftercast, which is a, uh, basically just like a bonus episode of the show where we just shoot the shit about whatever topic we fancy. And we're a little bit more loose lipped. Uh, just released a really good one too. Yeah. We just put one out this week about, um, the Hogwarts legacy dilemma, which is the, uh, Harry Potter open world RPG that got revealed this week. And that dilemma about whether or not it's okay to buy that game, given uh, JKR's recent transphobic activities. So if you're interested in that, it was a really good episode. Had Corey and Jay on here with me. And uh, one of the best things we've done, in my opinion. It's almost a shame it's behind a paywall. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You also get extra non-RPG reviews. So, um, for example, there's stuff like Super Mario Galaxy, Resident Evil 3 out there. Um, and we are also going to be doing the last of us, the first last of us, uh, next weekend. So that'll be out soon for you guys. 
Um, you also get the ability to nominate and vote on the games that we play for the RPG club, which is basically like a segment of the show that's basically just like a, a book club, if you don't already know. Um, and that is actually going to be opening up uh, in like a week or something. So uh, now's your chance if you want to have a hand in deciding what game we end up playing for that. And there's a lot more benefits than that. Uh, you can find all that and you know everything else about the show, the Patreon, at patreon.com slash RPG after years. Another thing you can do to support the show is uh, we are on Twitch. We're actually streaming live right now. And the guys will uh, stream every Sunday at 9 a.m. That's Eastern Standard Time uh, at twitch.tv slash RPG after years. Uh, this is an exception because it's just me and Scott. So we get to pick whenever we stream. Corey needs his beauty sleep. So that's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a little grumpy if I have to get up early. He literally got up 10 minutes, like less than 10 minutes before we went live. So <laughs> hey, I was only like three minutes late. Right. Um, yeah. So everybody that's joined us, thank you. And we look forward to seeing more of you here. Um, and like I said, the RPG club, it's our first club is like kind of wrapping up here. You have until October 4th to finish the game in wild arms. Um, we are, yeah, we're on the, the last chunk here. Uh, personally, I am at the point of no return and just doing side quests. So, uh, yeah, I've been enjoying this segment of the show. And again, you have until October 4th to finish. But that's about it for all the announcements we have for the show. So with all of that out of the way, we're going to take a quick break before we move on to the review. Have you ever tried eating a corned beef sandwich in zero gravity? Are you a veteran of the Great Emu War of 1932? Do you long for a simpler time when the world's greatest global crisis involved horse manure? If, if the, the answer, answer to any of these questions, questions was no, then, then we, we have, have the, the podcast, podcast for you. Epic Fails of History. A podcast that delves into the most epic fails of, um, history. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. The only thing we have to fear is Epic Fails of History. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We've got more random tales of fail coming your way, so stay tuned for more epic fails of history. Alrighty, let's get back to the review. Our rehabilitation is not yet complete. Oh god. <laughs> Okay. You keep playing all these uh, good songs, and we'll be playing Persona Five today. <laughs> just race, do a quick like rerun through the game. Just you know, just another hundred and eighty hours. <laughs> yeah. 
So before we get started here, um, just just so everybody knows, if you're a new listener, we cover these stories in depth. Uh, so it's going to be full of spoilers. Um, so if you are against that, then sorry, yeah, you should probably uh, just tune out now. Get the fuck out. <laughs> and uh, another disclaimer, Corey and I have only played the royal version of the game. So if there's any like major story differences that we don't know about, sorry. <laughs> and we'll be covering like the royal content as we go instead of giving it its own section. But yeah, um, so I guess we'll just get started here. So where we left off was at the end of the Okumura arc, Haru's father, CEO of a, a giant fast food chain. Um, basically, we stole his treasure, but then he had a mental shutdown on live TV during his uh, during his confession. And basically, because of that and also Principal Kabayakawa, the public has just lost like complete faith in the Phantom Thieves. Uh, your popularity rating has gone to zero, which is a bad thing because the whole goal of the Phantom Thieves is to bring about like uh, societal reformation, um, which is kind of very topical for today's political climate. No kidding. I wish we could have a societal reformation, but uh, <laughs> won't dive too far into that. Vote. <laughs> Please vote. Um, so, yeah, we'll just pick up where we left off. So. Basically, um, Akechi, who, as a reminder, is like a young prodigy teenage detective. That's like he's sort of like a celebrity. His popularity has like gone through the roof because this whole time he's been sort of naysaying the Phantom Thieves, uh, talking about how they are, you know, basically just not going, not going about things the right way. And so, the if I remember right, the Phantom Thieves they sort of suspect that Akechi knows more about what's going on than he's letting on. He's dropped a couple hints on in interviews that he does. Right. So the gang comes up with a plan to invite him as a guest speaker to like the school festival that they're having. And so uh, Makoto's sort of like interacting with him, trying to like get him to drop the beans about spill the beans about what he knows. It's kind of, it's kind of like a trap that they're planning for him. But it ends up backfiring because he reveals that he already knows the identities of the Phantom Thieves during his speech in front of everybody. Um, but then he gets like a phone call and he stops just short of revealing that. So at that point, he kind of pulls the gang aside and he's like, OK, let's meet up in private and we'll go over what we need to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so the gang's kind of nervous now because now Akechi has pretty much told them. You know, I know it's you. So they obviously have no choice but to meet up with them. So they meet up at the cafe, uh, kind of like our, it's kind of like our hub, little hub, our HQ, our base. Yeah. And when Akechi is talking to the Phantom Thieves, he reveals that he is also a Persona user and that he has proof of their identities, but he also knows that the Phantom Thieves aren't the ones that are causing. Uh, all of these mental shutdowns and all of these deaths. So he reassures them that, you know, he is fully aware that they're not doing the the really bad things. Um, and he knows this because he says that he ran into the actual culprit that is causing all of this. Um, so with that information, he says, uh, you know, he kind of offers them a deal, says, if you want me to keep this a secret, you have to steal Sai's heart. 
because apparently, because as a reminder, Sai is like the, she's like the, she's, she's a the, prosecutor, she's but she's a prosecutor like, and she's assigned to the Phantom Thieves case. Yeah. But apparently she uses corrupt methods to kind of get the, the verdicts that she wants. Um, so Akechi says, you know, go after Sai and steal her heart. But then there's one other snag in this. And I was kind of like, oh, what? Akechi says, after you steal Sai's heart, the Phantom Thieves have to disband and kind of stop doing what they're doing, which is kind of a drag. Um, so they talk about it. And Makoto's upset because, you know, that's Sai's sister. And uh, it kind of uh, delves into Sai and Makoto's relationship a little bit. But they decide that they're going to do it, that they're going to go through with it and steal Sai's heart. So they go uh, through uh, the metaverse and they get to size palace. And this was confusing for me. I was like, how are they going to tie this together? But the palace is actually the district courthouse, but it's been turned into a rigged casino. So you go through this rigged casino. There's no way you know, for you to win slot machines or anything like that. And it actually puts you through some slot machines and some betting games that you can't win. Um, and once you get all the way through the palace and you, uh, get, uh, get size or you find the treasure and then, you know, obviously you convince Sai that, you know, you need to change your ways. Yeah. Um, I was very confused watching you play through this casino. I did not like understand what you were trying to do because it was like, okay, all the games are rigged, but you still have to play them for some reason. Yeah. It would still make you play the games and then you would finally realize oh shit, wait a minute, it's rigged, I can't win. And then right. they would come up with ways for you to unrig the casino. Cheat the system. Yeah. <laughs> cheat the cheats. Yeah, cheat the um, cheats. Somewhere in here, I think, I could be wrong about the placement of this scene, but I think they come to a block in the casino, and that's when uh, they figure out that there's like some data that they need to steal from Sai's laptop in the real world. So there's like a really tense scene where that's right, because they they're in the like control room, and uh, I think Futaba is actually messing around on the control panel, and yeah. she says she needs something, and Makoto's like, I I think I know where that's at. Right, so there's like a really tense scene of Makoto trying to like you know sneak a flash drive into Sai's laptop while she's in the bathroom or something. Yeah, um, Makoto tells Sai she comes home from work and she's like just exhausted and in a bad mood, and Makoto's like, Well, why don't you just go take a long hot bath, a long bubble bath? And that's when she sticks the flash drive in the laptop. And of course, like when it's, you know, 10% away from being done, you hear Sai like, hey, I need a towel. I'm, I'm going to step out and grab a towel or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I'll bring it to you. <laughs> um, and then I think there was another scene we didn't go over earlier that um, it's like Sai kind of like lays into Makoto, like calls her useless. It's like really harsh. So it's like the stress of the case is getting to her. Yeah, she she bitches about her uh, schoolwork. She thinks she's not keeping up with her her schoolwork. Right. So um, they have the side boss fight. And this I thought that was a pretty cool one because she actually stays in her human form. Well, her shadow human form, her shadow form. And she looks awesome, by the way. She her, looks amazing. Her design. It's like a black mage vixen sigh. <laughs> yeah, I like the yellow eyes. And I like the voice change where she gets that kind of gravelly voice. Mm hmm. And this is also one of the cooler palaces just because it has like an actual vocal theme playing during it, which I think it was the first palace that had the vocal themes. Yep. It? I think it's the only one, actually. 
Oh, there was a, I thought another one did. I thought actually, I thought all of them after this one did. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, there's <laughs> some light vocals in Maru keys, I think. Um, but that was the first song we played in this episode. So it's a banger. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, so after you defeat Sai, there's this whole thing where you have to like win bets during the battle. It's a pretty cool mechanic. Like you play uh, roulette and stuff. Uh, so you've defeated her. But then suddenly the palace is infiltrated by the real world police um, somehow. So Joker splits from the group to provide a distraction so the rest can escape. And this is sort of like where the game began, where we finally caught up to like the opening sequence. uh, We finally understand that opening scene. (laughs) Right. Like what they were doing in a a casino, thieving and shit. Um, So Oracle helps guide Joker out. And by that, I mean Futaba. And he's sort of like communicating with the gang back and forth as he tries to distract the guards. And at one point, it seems like he's been cornered. But then that's when uh, Kasumi shows up in her, you know, uh, persona alter ego thing. Because, you know, she decided not to join the Phantom Thieves. But we did see her awaken uh, to her persona recently. Um, She knew that they were in trouble. And so she entered the metaverse to try and rescue them, which she does. And then she sort of splits back off, and it's a really cool part. Um, but however, Joker is caught, and b- right before they like sort of knock him out, they say that somebody in his group sold him out, which is like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we get to the, like is, the most complicated sequence in the game here. I was I was about to say this is where shit like kind of goes haywire a little bit. So try to follow along with us. All right, so it cuts to where Joker's now in custody. And they've got him in the interrogation room and they drug him. He's been beaten. Um, and they basically beat him and put a false confession in front of him and tell him to sign it. And every time he refuses, he gets another punch. So eventually he signs it, which what is what we did at the beginning of the game when you actually chose like your player's name. Um, so after this, I comes in uh and she's going to she because she wanted to interrogate him. And this is like the whole framing of the story was this uh, interrogation uh, by Psy. So right here, it, it is actually possible to get the uh, the bad ending um, if you give up the names of the other Phantom Thieves, um, which we did not. And I should have watched that before and see what happens. But they probably just all get arrested and sit in jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you choose not to give them up uh the drugs start to wear off and then you start remembering uh the the master plan if you will that the phantom thieves have come up and that's kind of how the game walks you through the story is that you're remembering this plan and telling Sai about this plan so uh eventually joker asks Sai to take his cell phone and show it to akechi on her way out because akechi's supposed to be right there like in the hallway i believe he's i think waiting supposed to be waiting on side mm-hmm. and so sort of figure out through all this so like oh the phantom thieves were on to akechi the whole time and figured something like this might happen yep that's why joker makes a point like show akechi my cell phone so it's kind of like akechi tried to play the gotcha when he said that he knew their identities now joker is going to play the gotcha on akechi Oh, how the turntables. tables. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Sai uh, leaves the room. She takes the cell phone to Akechi. And then Akechi uh, comes into the interrogation room. 
and he takes the guard's gun and then kills both the guard. And then this flipped me the fuck out. He shoots Joker in the head. And then you see Joker just like fall face down onto the table, bleeding out. The camera zooms out from the top. It's wild. So uh, after this, he walks out and then he calls his uh, superior, who is Masayoshi Shido, which you probably recall that name from the last episode. He's that politician. Um, There's been like scenes all interspersed throughout the game of like what Shido is kind of up to. He's like trying to take over the government and become prime minister, basically. Yeah, he's, he's trying to frame himself as this like revolutionary politician that's basically all rainbows and sunshine and gives everybody what they want. But he's using like nefarious means to, to, to get, Oh yeah. You know, climb the political ladder. And he's also the guy that sued Joker uh, and made Joker be in this situation to begin with. Right. So after this, uh, you know, Shido and, and Akechi have their little conversation basically saying, you know, the deed is done. And then the next day on television, uh, the, announcement of joker's death is made public yep and at this point the game hasn't actually revealed that it was a setup i think with joker no it it still makes you lead that you think he's dead but it sort of shows the reactions of your other uh party members and they don't they seem like they're not worried basically so you know things are good they're just like (laughs) "Eh." so we get a, a small time lapse here it's several days later the thieves, they all made at the cafe, including Joker. So it's like, oh, he survived. Yeah, because he just walks in the door and I was like, what the fuck? Are we, what, is, what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, I need like a um, Twilight Zone theme or like the cornered music from Ace Attorney to be playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it turns out they never actually stole Sai's treasure. Uh, and basically, Makoto was able to convince Shadow Sai to create a cognitive copy of the interrogation room. Go over that again. <laughs> Say that slow. <laughs> um, so basically, because they were in the police station already, or that's where Sai's palace was, they were able to create like a whole like fake prison cell setup that Akechi wandered into thinking he was in the real one. So the interrogation room that we saw was actually a cognitive version of the interrogation room that Akechi saw. And he was actually in Sai's palace when that happened. <laughs> yep. Um so they had all realized earlier that Akechi had betrayed them. And basically how they figured that out is during one of your earlier meetings with them, I think it might be when you actually meet him, he uh, he overhears something Morgana said from like around the corner. And when he approached oh, yeah. them, he like answered the question or something. And No, only- he, uh, he never met Morgana because they met at the school. And when they were walking through the courthouse, I believe it was the courthouse, Morgana was with them and Akechi called out Morgana's name. Oh, yeah, uh, because and on top of that, you're not supposed to be able to understand Morgana unless you have actually uh, been to the metaverse. Right. So so that's when there's like, <laughs> shit, what the fuck? Right. I can't remember. Is it you have to have been to the metaverse or you have to have to have met Morgana in the metaverse? I think you have to have met Morgana in the metaverse. OK, um, so that's when so that was forever ago. So they've like been on known. He was, you know, trying to play them the whole time basically um despite have all kinds of optional scenes where joker can bond with a catchy so it's kind of shocking because even though you're not supposed to trust him like you sort of he grows on you during if you do his uh his confidant arc kind of 
which you have to (laughs) if you want to get to the third semester, which we'll get to. But um, so with Sojiro and Sai's help, they realize that Shido and Akechi have been manipulating the Phantom Thieves the whole time and just to boost their own popularity. Like if they take out the Phantom Thieves and they're the heroes. I actually thought this was really cool of Sojiro to like pitch in and help out the Phantom Thieves, too. Yeah, I can't remember the whole whole time. You think he's like a hard ass, but he's actually not. Yeah. And I can't. Did he has he already knew about them being the Phantom Thieves at this point, right? That he finds that out during the Futaba arc, I think. Yeah, I think I think by now he already knows. Yeah. Um, So apparently Akechi had been using Wakaba's cognitive science research, Wakaba being uh, Futaba's dead mother. Um, to manipulate the metaverse as well and like sort of like alter the public opinion and stuff like that, the public's mind. Um, so that's nefarious. <laughs> um, and then you also figure out that all of the prior palace owners you've dealt with so far were connected to Shido's plan. So Principal Kabayakawa, he knowingly let Kamashita abuse students and tried to use Makoto to silence the controversy surrounding the school. So that was orchestrated by Shido. Mm-hmm. Um, Madarame plagiarized the art. The art that Madarame plagiarized helped fund Shido, as did Kaneshido's blackmail. So both of those were like sources of money for Shido's campaign. Um, the Medjed, which was like the anonymous group, uh, the the Medjed impersonator, he was one of Shido's cronies who intended to admit defeat to bolster the Phantom Thieves' popularity, and it just so they didn't plan on like what Futaba did, but it worked right into Shido's plans anyway. Um, and then Okumura was also party to Shido's conspiracy, but he became a liability. They didn't trust him. Uh, so Shido, that's when he hacked the Phantom Thieves site to bring him to the top of the pole so that the thieves would target him. And then his mental shutdown was also triggered by Shido and Akechi and all that. So it's like, wow, this whole like conspiracy plot runs deep. And it's kind of cool, like how all of the threads that maybe sort of seemed disconnected before, they were all like part of one major plot, basically. Yeah, they do a really good job of um, kind of helping you connect the dots right here. And you're like, holy shit. So because really up till this point, everything does seem very like its own thing. Right. There's nothing in common. And right here, it's like, boom, everything's come together for you. Yep. And that's pretty much the end of the the Psy arc. So that now we're getting into like sort of the final stuff here. Although we have lots to go. <laughs> we do. So next up on our list is uh, Masayoshi Shido. So we have a um, a confrontation with Shido later on that leads um, uh, the protagonist to Don't remember they, like, that. Don't they try she- to like talk to him on the street, like during one of his campaigns or something? They were doing. He was doing like a campaign rally on the on the street, and Ryuji was like being Ryuji. He's like, I'm gonna go talk to him, and <laughs> yeah. this, that, and the other. <clears throat> but uh, so. Through this confrontation, Joker realizes that Shido's the one that, you know, uh, basically sued him and put him in this uh, this situation that he's in. Um, so all of this, uh, you know, th- it's it's part of his attempts to keep his record completely spotless. That's why he sued Joker because Joker could have nailed him for, you know, sexual assault or something like that. And, but he wants his record spotless because he wants to be the prime minister of Japan and have basically no opposition. He wants a you know a landslide victory. Um, so that's what's led us to this. So uh, <clears throat> after realizing uh, that he sees the the national diet 
uh, which is, which his is a, political, a party. political party. Uh, yeah, he's a part of the National Diet Political Party. So it, he sees it as a ship that he has to steer. Uh, the Phantom Thieves will infiltrate this as Shido's palace and find that it's a big ass cruise ship <laughs> just sailing through sinking Tokyo. Uh, where they can confront cognitive beings who Shido has managed to turn into powerful shadows uh, that protect him. So the it's actually idea... a really cool visual, like the ship sailing <laughs> through Tokyo. Oh yeah. So the idea here is that his party is the the safe haven for corrupt Tokyo, which is going under. Right, and so he's using like basically everybody else, you know, failing to prop himself up. Right. Uh, so these these I actually uh, wish that you could like spend more time on the deck because you spend most of the time in the palace, like in the innards of the ship. Yeah. And uh, it's you're just, only on the deck for a little bit. Yeah. And it's mostly on the backside of the deck where the pool is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, the these uh, cognitive shadows that I mentioned, there's a uh, there's about five of them. So once you defeat these five, it's kind of like many, many boss fights. Um, you get confronted by a catchy who has now come to realize, obviously that Joker did not die. <laughs> so this pisses a catchy off and he wants a fight. So, and he's in get, a different, a different outfit now. Yeah. He, his outfit has changed. Um, he reveals that, um, his innate power is to drive people's hearts mad. So um, he also admitted that he is the one behind all the mental shutdown incidents before, because this was his his actual true power was being able to cause people to to go nuts. He was like the shadow figure that a bunch of the palace owners like sort of mentioned after you defeat them. Like, you yeah, know, he the was the ones. black figure. Yeah. And uh, I was kind of surprised by this because, you know, he was a fully playable party member for a for a short stint there. Yep. And like yep. now he's actually a villain. And not you also get you kept getting feelings of a catch. You're like, do you trust him? Do you not trust him? Like, mm -hmm. is he actually trying to do good? What's he doing? Right. So it was kind of trippy when they actually just lay all of his cards out. And it's not that it something like this hasn't been done in RPGs before. It's just like not very common. It was like a really cool twist, I thought. I, I thought so, too. And I, I will get into it. But I think going forward, they do really good, really good job with Akechi's character. And he's like, he's had a total, like, he's not trying to be fake or anything anymore at this point. He's like being like a total, like sadistic, uh, kind of, kind of just a madman. Like he's, yeah, he's went off the deep end yeah. and they make it very obvious that he is very psychotic at right. this point. So, um, we, we realized that all of this was just a big part of his plan to get Shido into power. Um, <clears throat> and then they were going to hold the power over him when he reveals that the new prime minister that is <laughs> that he is his bastard son. And this was all revenge for driving his mother to suicide. So we now realize that Akechi and Shido are more connected than we thought. Does I can't remember. Does Shido know that Akechi is his son or is this part of Akechi's plan to like take him down too? No, I think uh, I think Shido knows, but doesn't think Akechi's like really capable of doing anything about it. Gotcha. So, um, so we get into this fight and during this fight is when all of this, you know, that Akechi is Shido's bastard son and his mother committed suicide. It comes out kind of like in bits throughout the fight. So when he's finally, uh, when you finally beat him, 
he drives his own heart mad and summons his true persona, who is named Loki, to battle them again. Yeah, so it's like a two-part boss fight. And this was bad as hell when when his persona changes and he goes fucking haywire. That must be when he changes outfits, I guess, is after the first phase, or I don't know. I th- actually, yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I think he's in his regular like crow outfit, and then once he drives himself crazy, is when he changes into his black outfit, which is kind of pretty cool because, like, to be honest, his uh, his outfit before this change was one of the worst ones. <laughs> he looked kind of well. It's just it, it was just the mask. I wasn't crazy about the whole like white kind of cape outfit with like gold buttons and the and the the red cape mm-hmm. the red mask i liked i just didn't like the big ass yeah, it's one of those like beak things you see at like masquerade parties uh yeah i guess the best comparison i can think of is pl- uh plague night from shovel night but um anyway so they defeat him again and then that's when shido's cognitive version of akechi appears to kill the real akechi so basically shido has like sent an assassin <laughs> And so those two face off. There's like a big um, there's a big conversation where the Phantom Thieves are like trying to convince Akechi to, you know, change his ways and be a good guy again, because I guess they do, especially Joker does care about him as a person. No, at this by this point, Joker and Akechi are you could almost call them friends. Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny because like at this point, I was like. You know what? He's not really redeemable at this point. He's done too much shitty things and he's like acting like a complete psycho. So (laughs) especially once you learned that he was responsible for all the mental shutdowns. Right. You're like, "Eh, you're actually a murderous psycho. So, yeah. So apparently Shido has already figured out that Akechi is his son and he can't have like any loose ends around. And because uh, his connection to the death of his mother, he wants Shido killed. Or uh, Akechi killed. So the the shadow Akechi faces off with the real Akechi. Uh, apparently, Akechi says he sort of learned the errors of his ways, and he sort of makes amends with the thieves at this point. I didn't really buy it, but... <laughs> Is this the part where um, when Cognitive Akechi showed up, um, Shadow Akechi put up that big wall that separated the Phantom Thieves from the two Akechis? Right. Yeah, I thought so. So he basically saves the Phantom Thieves. Um, and as far as you know, he has been killed or they kill each other on the other side of the wall. So, yeah, you just hear a gunshot. Right. You assume that he hasn't made it at this point. So the Phantom Thieves then make it to the side of the treasure. And when they find the treasure, they return to the real world like they always do. And for their calling card this time, they just do like a live broadcast uh, on TV, like announcing their intent to steal Shido's heart which just was awesome yeah it's a really cool scene because it's like it's an actual animated scene and uh, they're like really cocky about it and it's got like the main theme playing while they do it <laughs> yeah and it's got like their uh, the top hat logo with the heart with the top hat right um so after that um they go back to the, the ship the palace and they've they tell everybody you know in that broadcast they tell everybody that Shido's plan is to like take over the country and announce all of his misdeeds and stuff. So things are going to hell for uh, Shido. Um, so they do go back to the ship and they defeat him. He's basically he has like a, a Hulk. He turns into like a Hulkish figure, <laughs> just like muscles out the ass, yep. which I thought was kind of funny. 
And this is also where you, the first time you get the uh, rivers and the desert boss theme, which is one of the most epic boss scenes I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, hands down. Um, but yeah, so you basically win and Shido is taken care of. Um, so basically they go to the next thing is it gets to be like around Christmas Eve. Um, mm-hmm. and I'll let you, that's the end of the Shido arc, but surprisingly I thought he was like going to be the final boss, but no, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's more. So this leads to Yaldabaoth, who is also known as the God of control. So things go off Shido, the rails here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So with, with Shido out of the picture, this leads the Phantom Thieves to investigate uh, mementos on Christmas Eve in order to you know change the heart of everyone by stealing the public unconscious's treasure. So they discover that the uh, population of Tokyo have suddenly decided to allow themselves to be imprisoned by um, the impositions of the overall general society. Because you get this really cool scene where you like get to what is kind of like the basement of Mementos and you look around and you just see random citizens and they're all locked up. It's just a massive like jail. Um, and they do this because they think it's easier to let someone uh, more powerful than them control their lives. So that way they don't have to do it. That's kind of how they see this as the, the trade-off. So in the depths of Mementos, they find uh, you find the public's treasure, which is a giant holy grail. And I was like, this is kind of weird. Uh, why would, why would it be a holy it's, grail? It's literally just a giant grail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this grail speaks to them, and it demands that they also submit to its power, just like everybody that's locked up around them. So you obviously you're not going to do that. So you get into a battle with this Holy Grail, but it's meant to not be defeated. Like it's set up to where you you will not beat it. It's a still one of those story bosses where it's impossible yeah. to win. Yeah. So so you get defeated and then with your defeat, you get kind of thrown out of mementos. But when you do, you find that Shibuya and mementos are beginning to to fuse together they're they're becoming the the same city it's almost like mementos is taking over shibuya and that they're all disappearing now that the phantom thieves have left the uh, public's connection so the scene if i recall correctly correct me if i'm wrong scott was when we get thrown out of mementos we're still kind of like passed out and we're all like each laying on the sidewalk like face down everybody's ignoring us but like the camera goes to each character and the character just kind of fades away that's and each of them right. have like a little parting line, like, oh, we tried, and then they fade away. Right. Um, so basically they failed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the protagonist, Joker, he awakens in the Velvet Room, which I know we haven't been talked about th- that a whole lot, but it's basically just like this cognitive realm that Joker's been a prisoner in the entire game. It's where uh, there's an old man, Igor, who is sort of like in charge of Joker's rehabilitation. Um, so Igor sort of berates him for failing. And at this point he orders Caroline and Justine to go ahead and execute Joker. Um, so you have a battle with them. I thought it was really cool that you actually fight Caroline and Justine. Yeah. Um, because at this point you're, you like, you, you are sort of friends with them too. Kind of, if you <laughs> kind of, um, but I think this is another like story battle. Like you're not meant to win. 
Uh, after that, the protagonist is nearly dead. I can't remember what triggers their change of heart, but the the two girls realize that something is strange, and they basically realize that Igor is not who he says he is. Um, and he asks the protagonist to fuse them together, like you can fuse personas throughout the whole game. Um, Which I did a lot of. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so this transforms them into their original form, Lavenza. Apparently, the twins were two parts of the same person that had been split by Igor. Um, so Lavenza reveals that Igor is actually an imposter who has rigged all of the past year's events against the protagonist in a game to decide the fate of humanity. Which is like, okay, how far up does this go? <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, so Igor is actually Yaldabaoth, the god of control, which is the same voice we were hearing when we uh, were talking what? to the, the Holy Grail. Um, so the apparently he had been manipulating Joker and Akechi as players like on the opposite sides of a chessboard. Um, so he then presents Joker with a choice. Um, he can restore the world to normal and become, but he, at that point he would become a force of terror that keeps Tokyo under control. Um, and Joker would basically be like party to, you know, rolling over Tokyo or he can refuse to assist him. And of course, if you choose to work with him, that's another like bad ending. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, before, but not before Lavenza. If you do get the bad ending I put here, apparently Lavenza just expresses her disappointment to him, and uh, for accepting the God's deal. Um, but if you refuse, Igor leaves to become one with the Holy Grail, at which at that point he would truly rule over Mementos and the real world, because Mementos is sort of like merging with reality at this point. Um. But then Lavenza reveals that the true Igor has been trapped here the whole time. And you do meet like the real Igor. His voice is totally different. Um, <laughs> more matches the character model now. And yeah. all of the, the rest of the Phantom Thieves are alive elsewhere in like the various jail cells of the Velvet Room. So you go around and free all of them. Each one gets like a scene about it's sort of like some character development with them about how they realized what their error of their ways and stuff like that. Um, so Lavenza and the real I Igor help them return to the real world and free Tokyo. And Morgana also finally remembers that the real Igor created him using the hopes of humanity's freedom to find the true trickster Joker and aid him in his journey to stop the evil behind the Holy Grail. So Morgana was never human. He was like a created by Igor basically to guide Joker. I, for one, loved this series of events i thought it was really cool yeah it's very emotional like they all have like sort of heartfelt scenes each character and even though morgana is like kind of disappointed that he's never was human it's like he accept, accepts his role willingly i think uh, that was my favorite part was learning the the origin of morgana because the whole game he's always like i want to turn back to a human i want to turn back to a human right and uh, I can't remember why they erased his memory or if how that happened or if that was intentional. But I don't remember either. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, so they decide, OK, let's take another crack at this uh, Holy Grail thing. So at this part, the, the Phantom Thieves go on their true final mission. And our mission is to destroy the Holy Grail uh, as the, the friends and the confidants that we've kind of made along our way 
<clears throat> rally the public into believing the phantom thieves exist and revealing the horror that surrounds them. So you get this cool, like, <laughs> I think I only had like two scenes cause I didn't have my confidence high enough, but if you have your confidence uh, ranks high enough with people, you get this series of cut scenes where they're like going around Tokyo and talking to people and kind of, you know, talking up the phantom thieves and getting people to, to believe in you again. Um, so that was, we really only cool. got like Sojiro, Sai and Mishima. Yeah. Those are the, yeah. right. Maybe, uh, Kasumi, but no, we didn't get Kas- Kasumi was five. And oh, I think yeah. you had to be like level seven or something. Right. Uh, but and yeah, you have those to have are, Sai, like you max her out as part of the story. So yeah, like that's an automatic. So the only ones we got were Sojiro and a, um, Mishima. So, uh, <clears throat> so with this, the Phantom Thieves defeat uh, the shadows of the four archangels that are on the way, uh, or um, on our way to the Holy Grail, and manage to make it to the Holy Grail once more to battle it. But of course, it transfer transforms into its true form, which is the god Yadavoth, who punishes the Phantom Thieves with the uh, the various seven deadly sins until the public finally believes. Uh, and the Phantom Thieves enough to free them from Yaldabaoth's control. So this allows the protagonists to awaken the persona. San- God, I, I even practiced practiced this name. It's Satanel to finally destroy Yaldabaoth and save humanity. With that, this causes the collapse of the entire metaverse. And then, oh, Morgana bids his friends a fond farewell he sort of fades away at this point having like served his purpose yeah because he mentioned uh it, at this part of the story because before you even get into the um fight with the first archangel uh and you're standing at the entrance of the metaverse uh there was a couple times morgana kind of hinted that this might be like the end of his line if you will right um and basically this is where the game ends in the original version of the game I, I looked up a little bit about it, and I think all the stuff that happens at the end of the third semester in Royal uh, happens here. So it's it's not we didn't like miss that much story wise as far as the difference goes, because gotcha. I think it just sort of f- speeds ahead to all that Valentine's Day stuff here. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so but we got a third semester. Yes. Um, so in Royal, if you get your confidant ranks high enough with Kasumi. Akechi and Dr. Maruki, um, the, the basically you get a, th- a whole nother third semester and a whole nother arc, which I was really happy about because if I'm being honest, I didn't care for the God of control stuff too much. I liked a lot of like the story resolutions and stuff that happens there, but it felt more whatever the opposite of grounded is. Like the plot went, you know, full anime <laughs> kill God type deal there with all kinds of like weird stuff. Um, but this third semester, I really enjoy. Um, oh, yeah. Th- it's I, totally worth doing the confidant ranks to get this semester. Right. So I should have covered earlier um, or we should have. Oh, it just started raining. Um, we hmm. basically at one point, Dr. Maruki's he's like the school therapist that they brought in after Kamashita's confession. He... His ter- like his term, he was only like going to be at the school for a certain amount of time, has ended. And if you got his rank, his confidant rank high enough, he basically takes Joker aside during one of their appointments and 
more or less reveals that he knows that they're the Phantom Thieves, which is kind of shocking at first. But like Maruki, Maruki seems like, you know, he's a good guy. So he just like keeps their secret for him. Um, but he says, you know, he hopes that they'll meet again one day and all that. And he enjoyed his time with them and all that. But jumping back ahead here. So with everyone saved in Tokyo back to normal on Christmas Eve, Sai, she kind of asks Joker um, to help her prosecute Shido by turning himself in to the police as usual, um, which is kind of like hard for her to do because it's like, well, I'm on your side. But the only way that we can take down Shido is if you turn yourself in. Um, but Akechi suddenly reappears and offers to testify in his place. So he, he survived, and basically Akechi's willing to take the fall for them instead, which I guess is like a sign that maybe he's not all bad after all. <laughs> um, so you celebrate Christmas Day and New Year's Eve with the Phantom Thieves, and because of Akechi's testimonies, the woman whom Shido harassed at the beginning of the year that framed Joker for, uh, she confesses she like testifies about what happened and shido is arrested for treason despite like the people around him trying to like hold up the ship i guess <laughs> yeah um however before new year's the protagonist dream has a dream that he's walking around the school and hearing his friends talk about their desires and everything becomes like really garbled like it's almost like he walked in to like or like the reality line is breaking or something Mm -hmm. um, and you hear a voice on the intercom expressing disappointment that the protagonist is trying to leave. And so you don't really know what's going on at that at this point, but we're about to learn. Yeah, it starts getting a little weird. So so the calendar flips over to January 1st. And while the, uh, the while Joker is preparing to uh, visit the shrine with uh, Kasumi, we start seeing some weird things. Um, starting with when we, uh, you, as always, you start upstairs in your bedroom when you come downstairs and Sojiro's there, Futaba's there. And you start, you, uh, it, it starts with this unknown teenager we see sitting at one of uh, LeBlanc's chairs. And then Futaba mentions her mother buying her a yukata. Now keep in mind, Futaba's mother is supposed to be dead. So then Joker meets up with uh, Ryuji on Makoto, Yusuke, Futaba, and Haru at the uh, Maiji Shrine. And then he gets kind of taken aback because uh, Haru mentions that she went to lunch with her father, who was also supposed to be dead. So uh, Futaba is planning to go shopping with her mother, and Makoto is spending time with her, quote, family. And, and basically, aunt, for Makoto, we never really covered this, but like, they're her and Sai's parents are dead. It's just like her yeah. and Sai. So she doesn't have a family to go spend time with really. Yeah. She just has Sai. And then on is a meeting with Shiho. Who was still now, in a coma as far as we know. Yeah. As, according to our confidant story, she was, but, uh, so all of this is happening and, uh, Joker's friends depart except for Kasumi. Um, and then Yoshizawa arrives to tell Kasumi that all of her relatives are at home. Being uh, and, Kasumi's father. Right. And then by doing this, he calls her uh, by her given name, which provokes a strange reaction from Joker, not being able to process the use of that name. He just doesn't even hear what he says, right? 
Yeah, it just like it doesn't register. Okay, so basically something really weird's going on, and it's like people are alive that shouldn't be, and it's like we've stepped into another timeline almost. Um, but the next day, the protagonist he uh, witnessed the abnormalities firsthand. He figures out that the unknown teenager that was hanging out with him at the bar the previous day was actually Morgana in human form. Um, so Morgana always wanted to be human, and now he is, and he's returned some way. And I think it was implied that, like, at the end of the year, they saw like this actor on TV and on mentioned like what a study was or something like that. Yep. And so I'm assuming that that's Morgana took that actor's form. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And to be honest, he is attractive as a human. So <laughs> it's kind of weird because I remember he wakes up in bed with Joker still at one point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Joker like rolls over and he's sleeping next to this other guy. And I was like, what kind of storyline are we about to get here? <laughs> I was like, are we going to do something gay after all? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, come on. Yeah. Um, so he's now a human. And also Wakaba, Futaba's dead mother, is sitting there at the bar with him and they're having lunch. Um, so you've, that's weird. And then Sojiro and Futaba, followed by Akechi, and you, you sort of find out that Akechi was released from jail somehow. Like they exonerated him. <laughs> After a phone call from Kasumi about the mysterious palace they previously visited in Odaiba, that's where her. Uh, persona awakened previously apparently it's still there and so she wants to investigate it so they meet up with a catchy who has also like revealed the joker that he knows something's weird's going on so apparently yeah that's why he showed up at the cafe was to ask joker about all these this weird shit and apparently joker and a catchy are the only two that are aware that you know they're in the wrong timeline or some things are not as they should be right um, so the three of them meet up and they investigate the the palace, which turns out is Dr. Maruki's palace. Um, and I really like this part of the game because, you know, I kind of guessed a long time ago that Maruki was going to end up being uh, the palace owner in the third semester. Just because why would we need to raise his rank so high in particular? Right. Um, with, with him not being a playable character anyway. Um, and I, I did really like this part also because it's like just the three team members that are working together. So it's like a really interesting dynamic. And Akechi is still being like a fucking psycho, like just the things he says and his tone and all that. <laughs> yeah, he's he's still the the, the psychotic Akechi. But right. it, outside of the metaverse, he tries to put on his his usual Akechi charm. But once you go into the metaverse, he's still psychotic. And so you actually get to play with like the the shadow version of the, or the dark costumed Akechi, which is cool. Right. Um, and then Maruki basically confesses to the trio. By the way, he has like his he's wearing this slick white coat and has his hair slicked back. He's like, I'm like, damn, Maruki, you clean up. Yeah, nice. he's, he's looking <laughs> suave now. Yeah. Um, so he reveals to them that he basically is also a persona user and he made he used his persona power to basically rewrite history and he just made it to where everybody's like true desires. Like he made that a reality. So on the surface, that's not a bad thing, right? Cause everybody gets what they want, but the, our team is like Joker and Akechi are not okay with living in like this false reality. Um, so they, they still want to go against Maruki and Maruki's like, he's still being a nice guy. He's not being evil or anything. He's just trying to like plead with you to, 
just accept this version of reality so everybody will be happy and all that. Yeah, that's his whole argument is just let everybody be happy. Yeah. And if if they go back to the other reality, then Akechi will still like die. Right. Is that how it was? Or yes. Yes. Akechi will cease to exist. Right. So Joker doesn't want that, but they still aren't willing to accept this reality. And in addition, you also get revealed to Maruki at this point that the real Kasumi is dead. So if you remember, there there was this whole arc about uh, Kasumi awakening to her powers because she blamed herself for the death of her sister. Well, it turns out that the real Kasumi uh, is dead and that the Kasumi that we know is actually the, the sister that we thought was the other one that died. It's real confusing, but basically they had like an identity swap. Yep. Um, and so she, her real name is Sumire Yoshizawa. And basically this sort of like what happened was Kasumi like couldn't, or I should say Sumire just couldn't accept the death of uh, Kasumi. And so she felt like she had to like make all of Kasumi's dreams come true. And she sort of just had like a mental snap and she thinks she is her sister. Yep. Um, which reminded me of another Ace Attorney plot twist. That's it, almost exactly the same thing. Two sisters <laughs> in a car crash that swap identities. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Kasumi sort of has like a mental breakdown here because she's like her, her brain is busted over, over this when Maruki reveals it. Um, so Maruki had subconsciously caused Sumire to think that she was in K- Kasumi to help her cope with, you know, Kasumi's death as was her wish. And so basically Maruki like met Kasumi before like she even, or even you even started at this semester and he had a hand in like tricking her own brain, I guess. Yeah. But, because it was during one of their sessions where she like takes her hair and puts it up in that red ribbon mm-hmm. like Kasumi had. Yeah. Um, so after basically, Maruki takes Kasumi because he doesn't want them to like make her not happy by, you know, making her realize the truth, I guess. Um, so she kind of gets taken and he urges Joker to see what the new reality is like before they, you know, truly go against him. Cause he's hoping that they will come to see this really is like the reality that we should all live in. Cause everybody's happy. And you if live that the human, if that human Morgana sleeping in my bed, maybe we should keep it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he gives you until January 9th to decide. All right. So at this point we have a quote deadline. So throughout the week, uh, Joker, he goes and visits uh, all of the other members of the Phantom Thieves individually. And he like tries to remind them of the life that is supposed to be, not the one that they're currently living in. Um, and during this, we also witness firsthand where um, Okumura and Makoto's father are no longer deceased. We actually see them. I think we see one of them driving his car. And the other one was Haru was in one of the cities and her dad like comes to get her to take her to, to lunch. And he's actually being like kind to her. Yeah. Being real sweet, being like, like he's supposed to kind of like, you know, how Haru wanted him to be. Right. Uh, when we visit Ryuji, we see that his leg was never broke. Um, and he basically stayed friends with uh, all of his track teammates. Um, we see, we well, we learn from on that Shiho will be tra- transferring back to Shujin um, for reasons other than Kamashita's abuse. Uh, and Madarame was an ideal mentor for Yusuke instead of treating him as a profit source. Uh, 
I think it's interesting that uh, Yusuke's ideal reality was Madarame was actually a good guy instead of like his mom being alive and he never had to go live with Madarame in the first place. Yeah, for real. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe it's because he didn't actually know his mom, but he knew Madarame. I guess so. <laughs> you know, so uh, after he meets all of the all of the teammates, uh, Akechi calls Joker uh, about what he found relating to Maruki, and he tells him that neither Wakaba. Uh, Okumura uh, or Makoto's father were dead to begin with in this reality, uh, all because uh, Maruki tampered with history instead of outright reviving the dead as cognitive beings. So he actually physically went back and changed the timeline so that they never passed away. Right. It's not like they were revived. It's like they just never died. Yeah. uh, He just completely rewrote history. Right. So on the ninth, uh, Joker and Akechi, they return to Mariki's palace to basically say, like, no, we're not going to reject this reality. Akechi doesn't, he won't have it. Like, even though his fate will be, you know, death, he's just not willing to accept a world where his life is controlled by somebody else. <laughs> Almost redeeming quality. Almost. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so while they go to the palace, the other party members gather in LeBlanc, the cafe, and they basically all have come to the realization after thinking about it with their conversations with Joker that, hey, we are in an alternate reality. <laughs> Surprise. So even though they don't really remember what happened, it's like they have come to the realization um, and they figure out, hey, we need to go help Joker. So they meet back up with Joker and Akechi meet back up with Maruki and, t- you know, they tell him they're going to reject the reality. Samire, um, she's just like very sad and full of denial at this point. So you actually have to fight uh, Samire slash Kasumi at this point. And it's actually a really cool boss fight because her persona like sort of transforms and you have to fight the persona itself. It's got the rivers in the desert playing. I was like, good old is, injury on. Yeah, this is like a really epic part of the game. Like I was like really into the story at this point. Oh, yeah, it was it was really cool. Um, but you fight her and then basically Maruki restrains her with a cognition control device because he's not willing to basically let uh, Samire be unhappy, I guess. He thinks it's better that she's controlled and happy. Um, so you fight the persona and basically it seems like you're you know, being overwhelmed, but that's when the rest of the Phantom Thieves show up. They join up with you. They're rejecting the reality too. And then you defeat Kasumi basically. This part was really cool when the rest of the Phantom Thieves show up. Right. Because it has a little cut scene of all of them like standing behind you. Yep. Um, so after this, you sort of get Samire back. She accepts her. She's still sort of like, you know, not comatose or anything, but just like in a s- disbelief. But she like realizes the truth, rejoins up with you. And so Maruki is still like he does not want to fight the Phantom Thieves because he, he actually cares about them. And he just wants them all to be happy. So again, so again, he's like, okay, maybe try out the reality for a little longer again. <laughs> he's not trying to be evil. Right. So they leave the palace and you have a new deadline of February 3rd to decide. So in the meantime, um, we're, we're still attending school just like we were. Um, and one day while we're at school, Lavenza, if you'll remember, is the, the combination of Justine and Carolyn, uh, informs the, the Phantom Thieves that Maruki may have a unique persona ability, which uh, lets him like uh, it, it provides his uh, they're called actualization. 
uh, capabilities. And while it was only capable of like activating like subconsciously and its um, its side effects are pretty pretty much limited, once he filled the vacuum that was left by um, Yadaboth, he was able to kind of create this reality of his own volition. So Lavenza also reveals that while the Phantom Thieves supposedly um, took, you know, when we were in Mementos in the basement with the God of Control, um, you know, we did take over the, you know, society's collective cognitive desire um, once we defeated the God of Control. Deep down, at the same time, they allowed Maruki to oversee it since they told Maruki in these sessions about their own desires. So subconsciously, they still wanted them to fulfill their desires. So you see where, yes, we we took over the the society's collective conscience, but at the same time, we were feeding Maruki our own desires. So he kind of already knows, I won't say weaknesses isn't really the right word, I guess. Yeah, desires, I guess, is the best word. So uh, if you haven't if been Mar- following the story up to this point, this would just be gibberish. <laughs> oh, yeah, it would be complete gibberish. You'd be like, yeah. what the fuck is happening? <laughs> but it, again, it's the game going back and tying, you know, bringing stuff in from way back and making you realize, holy shit, that actually played a role. So uh, so we learn if Maruki's not stopped after a month, uh, Mementos will permanently fuse into the real world and it won't be able to be stopped. And Maruki's, um, quote, happy reality uh, will become the new true reality. Um, Sumire overhears all of this conversation, and she decides to uh, go with the Phantom Thieves to Maruki's palace and slowly comes to accept that she is Sumire and not Kazumi. And this kind of lets Sindrion, her persona, quote, level up. It becomes like the full Sindrion, which was an awesome scene as well. And she sort of becomes like, at this point, she's now like a full-fledged party member, which is cool. Yeah. It's kind of and sad. she's changed they... her outfit from the Kasumi outfit. Now she's wearing like the black, like short leotard. Mm-hmm. And we touched on this uh, last time, but it is kind of disappointing that they make you wait this long to truly gain her as a party member. But <laughs> yeah, I mean... We know she's a persona user in the previous semesters, but she just didn't want to join the Phantom Thieves because she was too busy. Right. But in this one, she is badass. Right. So you go back to the palace again and near you start finding like videotapes scattered around that sort of explain Maruki's past. Um, you've learned that Maruki was one of the original cognitive science researchers and he was engaged to uh, a, a woman named Rumi. And that her parents were killed in an indoor burglary case. Indoor burglary. I can't say that. Burglary. Burglary. <laughs> burglary. <laughs> uh, the culprit was apprehended, but Rumi like sort of had like a PTSD breakdown that resulted in her being like more or less catatonic. Catatonic. So, out of desperation, like an unknown entity reaches out to Maruki. And mysteriously helps her like cope with the death of her parents at the cost of losing her memories of their relationship. And so even though it means Maruki can no longer be with Rumi, he accepts that in order for her to like forget about her parents and be happy. That was kind of sad too. Yeah. And so you kind of feel bad for Maruki. 
yeah, it's just another example of, you know, he's not a bad guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, because even the scene where she's like, oh, who are you? He doesn't even like try to explain. He's just like, oh, sorry, I've got the wrong room. Right. <laughs> it was sad. Um, so after that, Maruki's research was sort of like blocked by Shido, apparently. And his plans to construct a, a lab in Odaiba were cut off. But because of this incident, Maruki realizes that, hey, I can change people's actualizations of their reality. So, mm -hmm. um, so during Christmas Eve, Maruki presented his finished paper uh, that he completed with the protagonist's help. That was like a side plot, um, only for the professor to deny it. And so in the middle of his argument with the professor, his persona, Azathoth, Azathoth, Jesus, uh, awakens, which, uh, and then, which allowed Yaldabaoth to merge the Mementos world with reality. So it's like, oh, right. even this was all connected. Right. So still going through the palace, uh, Maruki's palace. Um, and then, you know, after watching these tapes and fight after fight, you, you find the treasure. And then on February 2nd, Maruki meets um, Joker and Morgana in LeBlanc. And then he kind of, in a roundabout way, reveals that Akechi was brought back to reality because of Joker's wish to kind of save Akechi to redeem him. That was part of Joker's like true desire. Right. Uh, so in reality, it's implied that it's not, you know, Joker's desire, but Maruki was lying to him. So he can avoid the inevitable fight, knowing that Joker would otherwise resist. So this is like sort of Maruki's last play. At like It's his last ditch effort. Accept this reality, please. <laughs> yep. Um, but if the protagonist promised to remember Akechi, it's like another chance to get a bad ending, I think. Um, yep. Akechi will arrive at LeBlanc, having been eavesdropping, and basically tells Joker that it's not really up to him. Um that he knows that he'll, he'll fade, but he still wants to go through with it. Um, so basically, the you, Joker gives the calling card to Maruki, like right there, like here you go. Yep, <laughs> which was pretty cool. Yeah, he's just like he got flips it in his hand. He's like here you go. Yep. <laughs> so um, Akechi says he wants to stand up to Maruki no matter what. You are given the chance to accept Maruki's reality like one more time, and it's like. Because like we've been saying, Maruki really doesn't want to fight. Um, so I read here that if you do refuse a catch, he, he basically storms out in disappointment and that basically ends there. But a persona actually actually transforms one more time into like again, <laughs> Heroward, I think is what it was called. Heroward, Heroward. Yep. Something like that. But yeah, that's basically it for that. So at this point, Joker agrees uh, to reject him again. So we go uh, to the top of Scientific Model Eden, which is basically just the palace. Yeah, it's just the palace. But it was that really cool, like looked like a tree that had the spiral yeah. staircase. And you There's get to the top puzzle and, here where you have to alternate colored gates. It took us a while. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that was a whew, that was a whole thing. I, I but, figured uh, that one out. You did. Thank God, because I tried and tried and tried. And I was like, finally, I just hand him controller like Scott, do this, please. Um, but you get to the top and you see it's like this like Garden of Eden, beautiful, lush fields, rainbows, trees, flowers, everything's, you know, just overtly perfect. So you uh, meet Maruki there. 
get into a fight and then you defeat him and his persona. Um, so, uh, however, though, Maruki evolves uh, his persona into its ultimate form. And I don't know. They had all these cool names, but then Maruki's final form of his persona is called Adam Cadman. Why they chose that? I looked it up. Apparently, it's like some. It's it is tied to like some kind of mythology thing. But really, I forget what it was exactly. Uh, Wow! But uh, he does this by um, taking his persona and fusing it with the palace's treasure, uh, which was uh, a golden torch. Um, Then Futaba reveals that his weakness is his head, and the Phantom Thieves basically have to keep blocking his attack with their personas. Uh, to allow Joker to shoot him. And this was epic because at this point, you've already fought him like this is like the third twice. phase of the fight or something. Yeah. And this is the third phase. Really, only the first one was difficult. And you had a, did you get on your first try or did it take you a couple? I'm trying to remember what the first phase of Maruki was. I remember, I remember it was that. really close as far as yeah. like your victory. But then this one is, he's just massive. He's a giant. And you're like standing on top of what looks like a building and he's just like, supposed to be hammering away and, and you can't added really do any damage it's like really epic <laughs> uh, oh yeah it, it's gone full epic by now but um so futaba says basically just stand your ground and when his head opens up go for it so you know you take a couple rounds and then he tries to hit you and he doesn't he never really kills you You're, it's it's very much a story battle again but uh once you go i think two rounds joker runs up his arm and like does this really cool like acrobatic backflip shoots him in the head and all of that. They sort of debate on like whether or not to actually kill him and a catchy's not having it. He's like, no, this fucker's dying now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so then uh, once we've defeated him, we escape because Morgana has learned how to become a helicopter. <laughs> so not only a van, <laughs> Morgana's also a helicopter. Uh, but as we're trying to fly away, Maruki uh, actually pulls the protagonist down and wants one final fight, but it's just basically a, an all out fist fight brawl. Like yeah, it's on like a bridge man to man, man, man versus man, you know, just put, yeah. your, put your dukes up. It's actually, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. It's because each one like takes a, takes a punch and then they have a line and then the other one hits back and says a line and this, that, and the other. I wish it was a little but, better animated, but <laughs> yeah. But finally Maruki uh, resigns himself to fall to his death in his crumbling palace, but he gets pulled back by Joker and, uh, the Mona copter, if you will. Joker basically like grabs his, his arm as he's falling. And, like he refuses and, like, just to carries him. He refuses to let Maruki die. It's like a really yeah. pretty touching. Um, so yeah, they defeat him and steal the palace or steal the treasure. Maruki loses his powers and all the events that happened, uh, courtesy of his manipulations are reverted. Um, so you go back to like the true timeline and Akechi is still missing. Um, the protagonist is in juvenile. I think this is where the original ending picks up kind of, um, all of the protagonists and your maxed out confidants, they like sort of rally to clear him of his charges and do everything they can to get him out of jail. Um, and I think, yeah, you get scenes of like Sojiro and Sai doing what they can to help and all that. Right. Um, Morgana returns once again, once again, quickly after. So apparently for some reason he's still alive. Do you remember what the reason behind that was? I don't. Um, 
but he no longer has the desire to become human. He's like accepted who he is. And at bedtime, Morgana returns, reveals that, oh, apparently it was the wishing star that Josie, Jose, uh, gave you to the protagonist that drained all of its powers to transform Morgana into a helicopter. And that made sure that everyone was able to escape the metaverse safely. Now I remember that. Yeah. Which is, I think Jose was a new character in this, uh, in Royal as well. So I guess that they tied that back to how Morgana was able to survive. That's cool. Um, yeah. So after all of this, um, after Joker and Morgana's back, uh, all the Phantom Thieves meet up in LeBlanc and they decide that they're going to break up for the time being and pursue their own dreams. Um, Ryuji says that he's going to be moving. Um, it's kind of sudden. like, <laughs> Yeah, just kind of out of nowhere. You're like, holy shit. But uh, Ryuji tells us that he's going to be moving. Um, he's going to a city that's got a, a really good like physical rehab uh, place to, to undergo physical therapy for his leg. Um, on says she's going to travel overseas to study fashion for a little while. Um, we learn Yusuke's decided that he's just going to stay put in Tokyo, uh, to complete his painting that he has talked about the entire game. Did we ever actually uh, see that? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, Makoto and Haru are both moving somewhere else. They're going to be roommates uh, in another yeah, city. They're going to, they're <laughs> going to be buddy buddies. They're going to go to uni together. Yeah. Um, Futaba has decided that she's going to actually attend public high school and then aim for college when she's done, which is a huge step for her. Uh, she says that eventually she wants to be a, a, a scientific researcher, just like her mother. Aww. And then, yeah, I know. Right. And then during that night, uh, Sumire also sends her parting words via an instant message to Joker, vowing that she will take international gymnastics on her own and she will choose her own path going forward instead of trying to like do everything in her sister's footsteps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I thought this was weird. Cause like none of that, nobody had ever really talked about doing anything of these, th- any of these things before this point. And it's like, Oh, we all decided to split up at the same time. <laughs> well, the, the only ones that mentioned anything about it would have been uh use case painting. He right. talked about that a lot. And then Futaba going to high school makes sense. Cause she kept trying to get better and better in social situations. But like Makoto and Haru kind of out of nowhere and then Ryuji just kind of out of nowhere moving. Yeah. There's also like several scenes interspersed somewhere in here where you sort of get like your final resolution with uh, Sojiro and Sai. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that has to do with confidant ranks or they were just tying those plot arcs up. But they basically thank Joker for like sort of changing them and their time together. And Sojiro is going to miss you because Joker can now he's going to move back to his hometown. Uh, mm-hmm. since his, oh, yeah, that's right. his charges have been cleared. I've, so Jiro gets a little choked up. Yeah. I was kind of wondering, like, why doesn't he just stay? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I thought, because you know so Jiro would let him. Yeah, I thought it was kind of weird that he never offered. Um, but regardless of that, uh, somewhere in here is also where the Valentine's Day stuff takes place, which I thought was really weird because Corey didn't actually romance anybody. I stayed, a, I stayed uh, asexual. So this little arc was kind of weak. There, I, I think we got like Ryuji's chocolate, but it wasn't like really a gay thing. No. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I thought it sort of dragged out the ending unnecessarily for me. And it was just like the whole series of events was like really slow and awkward. Well, I'm sure if we had actually had like romance with someone, it would have been better. 
So I can't really hold that against the game because that was more like our choosing. Yeah. Uh, Mini BT actually put a video in the Discord. What is what happens if you romance everybody? <laughs> really? <laughs> and it's like all all the female confidants come into the bar at once. They're like, we we know what you're up to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go watch that now. Thanks, yeah. Mini BT. It's like even like the non-party member confidants are in that scene, <laughs> like the uh, the teacher and Oya and all that. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's funny. Uh, no, it. I hope. I hope. Uh, What's her name showed up? Hey. Oh, honey. Oh, <laughs> if only she was a confidant. That would be. <laughs> I know, right? Lala Escargo. Lala Escargo. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, after that, on the protagonist's final day, the other phantom thieves decide to like drive him home themselves as like a one last, you know, time to hang out. Um, But on their way, they realize that the police are following them or like some kind of FBI type thing, which I thought was really weird because. I don't think it was ever explained why they would still be following them at this. Yeah, point. everything's supposed to be taken care of by now. Yeah, but uh, so they end up having to like ditch Joker and like sort of lead the police away uh, to like so Joker can get home safely. Uh, but Maruki shows up, and apparently he is now a taxi driver, so he survived after all. Um, and he offers the protagonist a ride to the train station while the others distract him. And he exchanges a farewell with Maruki and the rest of the Phantom Thieves. I think Maruki says something along the lines of like, he ha- we have to like all alter our own realities. So he's like doing a totally new thing with his life. Yeah. Um, and then you also run into Samire at the station, I believe. And you have like a final farewell with her. But I thought this was really anticlimactic too. She's just like, see you around. <laughs> eh, I didn't mind it. Um, actually it kind found- of fit her personality. Like yeah. throughout the whole game, that's how she was. Bye, senpai. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so in a, in a post credit scene, the protagonist, uh, he, he sees his phantom thief outfit in the reflection while he sits in the train. And then you sort of see somebody dressed like a catchy. He like walks by the window and Joker just sees him and smiles. Well, because he's a uh, you see the, re- the reflection has got that trench coat that a catchy always wore and carrying that briefcase with the A on it. Yeah, and apparently he had two men in black suits with him. Yeah. Um. So I guess Akechi is still around somehow, but it's not really explained uh, at all. I wonder if that might be ex- is explored in uh, the sequel, uh, Scramble. Maybe. We'll find out one day, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically it. We uh, made it. Woo. <laughs> man, that took some doing to get through. I was starting to What a story. About- <laughs> yeah, for real. Um. So I will say about the ending, I just found, not that it was a bad ending, I just found it really (laughs) weak compared to the rest of the story. It just feels like things happen just to serve the story of them all splitting up, and like none of the farewells really feel like they landed to me, necessarily. And it's just like, kind of a, all right, now it's over, ending. (laughs) Well, I also wonder if it has to do with our confidant rank, because like with the, with the, the core group... I didn't really have huge confidant ranks. I think the highest one was a Ryuji at like a six. Mm-hmm. But even, so I wonder if it ties into that. But even like the final scene between the rest of the thieves and Joker, it's, it feels like anticlimactic to me. They're like, all right, let's drive you down and, and buy. Like nobody's like broken up. About I mean, it wasn't. It or, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a, a, a totally epic send off or ending. But mm-hmm. I still think it kind of fits because they were all it fits their personality. Right. Okay, so now that we have gotten through the story, I guess let's talk about it a little bit. 
Um, first off, how did you feel? You know, we never played the original, but that whole third semester, everything to do with Kasumi and Maruki. Uh, what did you think about the addition, the additional story? Completely worthwhile. The The third semester is a lot of fun. Uh, for the first part, you you know, you don't play as the, the normal uh, Phantom Thieves. It's just uh, you, Akechi, Psycho Akechi, uh, and Sumire. You get to use different personas because you get to explore their personas now. Um, the palace is really, Maruki's palace is really cool. The final fight yep. scene is amazing. Um, totally worth it. I Honestly, after playing this one, I'm not, I know they didn't change a whole lot from the the first two semesters, but so glad I waited to, to play this version. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, not that I dis like, I liked the story even before we got to the third semester and thought it was really good, but Agreed. I feel like this whole third semester art really elevates the story overall to like that. That's an epic story. Like I loved it. Oh yeah. Uh, it was fantastic. And instead of like all the craziness of like the God of control, which I didn't personally enjoy that part of the story that much other than, you know, how you're getting a lot of resolution story wise during that mm-hmm. sequence. Um, I think it, it regrounds the story of Persona 5 because the final villain is just a dude. Like, he's just a, a normal guy. Um, he's and, just your therapist that knows everything about you. Yeah, and his motivations are totally understandable. It presents, like, you know, the moral and ethical dilemmas of, you know, accepting a true reality and changing it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I personally think that Maruki is one of the best villains I've seen in video games. Uh, oh yeah, he he was they they nailed they nailed that 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 storyline. Yeah, and we'll go over some of the you know other more technical changes of Royal and then the next part of the review. But um, they changed a lot, and I, if you have the option of playing pers- like the original Persona Five, and you're debating on if you should play Royal or whatever. I strongly recommend Royal like hundred percent agree. Yeah. Like don't, don't skimp on it's worth like the extra money you would pay to be able to play the Royal version in my opinion. And it's worth the extra time sink. Mm-hmm. There's lots of quality of life improvements too, which again, we'll go over. But, uh, so that's outside of Royal though. Like what were some of like your favorite scenes and your favorite parts of the game? Oh, what jumps out? Um, the I loved the and it's not necessarily because it was just the the way the scene was set up or anything, but I believe it was the scene after you send the calling card to Shadow Psy and you go back to the casino and they add in like the vocal track and the music picks up. Mm-hmm. But now, granted, they did that for just, I believe, every palace. Once you send the calling card and go back, you get a different music. It's more ramped up. I think this one was the first one that added vocals, though. I don't yep. remember. That was phenomenal. That was the last song we just we played earlier. So, yeah, Um, I really liked all of the um, when all of the characters would awaken to their personas. I thought that was done really well. Um, I really liked the scene where um, Shido's calling card was a just a video they played. And uh, it was the anime Mm -hmm. version. I thought that was really cool. Um, I really liked when uh, we were having the discussion with Maruki in the third semester right before the boss fight. And he's basically pleading again. Um, I thought that was awesome. There was, there was just, there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
for for me, like from everything we covered in the story today, from like Scythe's palace to the end, that is, um, you know, the story really ramps up around there. Not that it was bad before, but like just everything becomes more epic at that point. It's like there's a lot the, more at stake. This part is it speeds up, whereas the the part before this still had a good story. It was just a little slower paced, but yeah. still good. This is a really good story, but it's just one thing after the next. Right. Yeah. Um, I really liked the stuff with Makoto, the arc where it, she's like trying to hunt down the um, the the Phantom Thieves and she's like sort of an, an antagonistic figure almost. Oh, yeah. When while she's a like student body president mm-hmm. and her like sort of changed to where she, you know, joins the Phantom Thieves. I liked Makoto yeah, cool. a lot in general. She was one of my favorites. Um so I liked her story stuff. Um, towards the end of the Kamashita arc, like all that, where it's like, all right, this fucker's going down. Uh, once you <laughs> figure out like how much of a scumbag he really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of like other like specific scenes that were really funny. Um, maybe the, the beach stuff was pretty good. And there's a, a lot of humor in general in this game as well. Um. So yeah, and then I guess what about characters? Like, who are your favorites? Oh mercy, uh, God, it's a, such a good cast. It's kind of hard to name a necessarily a favorite, um, but I say I guess some standouts: uh, Akechi, a fantastic villain. Um, yeah, Akechi was great. Same with Maruki. I thought very well written, very well developed. Really liked him. Um, Morgana's story. Once you figure out some more stuff about him, I thought was was really cool. I know you wasn't crazy about Morgana like during the first two semesters, but I did like Morgana. Um, well, my, yeah, I Makoto, said this last time. My thing with Morgana was anime and RPGs and stuff in general. They really like to do this thing where they add like a cute like mascot character that's like overly cutesy, right? And I never really enjoy that, but. With in Morgana's case, they made him central to the plot and had like a non cutesy personality necessarily. So I actually did end up liking Morgana. Good. Uh, I thought Sai was really, really good. Yeah. I really liked her. Um, but again, I mean, there's for me, there really wasn't a bad character. Like, I can't think of a character that I was like, oh God, here we go. Yeah. Like, even some of the more quote side characters. I mean, like Lala Escargo was funny. Um, oh, honey. <laughs> yeah. I need to uh, drop. Oh, yeah. With, uh, with her, you know, needing to deal with her overbearing boss. Um, you know, even the side characters, I thought they were all good. I didn't like the, the thing with Kawakami, the teacher. Her, oh, when she was the maid, her whole maid thing that I know like Japan has a different culture than us, but I found that like really like pervy and off putting, like a I, little cringy. I kind of yeah. liked her before that reveal, but like, I guess that's the only thing she does in the story past that point, which is unfortunate. Well, she was trying to, what was it? Pay for her sister's medical bills or something, something like that. We didn't finish yeah. her arc, but, um, uh, as far as like the main cast goes, I, I think it's great. Like all of the, uh, the main characters are pretty fantastic. They're developed very well. Um, the only one I wasn't crazy about was Haru. Um, just because I, I just found her kind of boring. 
I guess. <laughs> so yeah, I liked Haru. Um, I loved Makoto. She was my favorite. I loved Ryuji. Like, uh, even though he was sort of like the dumb friend character, like he was really funny. And he was I, the sack of potatoes you carried around. I enjoyed his antics. Um, and I liked his little uh, stabs at Morgana. Yeah, anytime he fought with Morgana, it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> um, and then I guess those those two are my favorites, probably along with Akechi, because he's like a really good like foil to your the main characters <laughs> and all that. I, the only thing I didn't like about Akechi is I felt like he got a little bit too like over the top once he reveals his true self. He was psychotic, psychotic. Yeah, like there was uh, there were several points I'm like, why are we trying to help this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I know you like him, Joker, but geez. Um, so maybe maybe we'll rank the cast or something later, but that's gonna be hard. Yeah. <laughs> and as far as like the side stories with the confidants, if we have time, we're gonna go over some of those in part three. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but again, we didn't finish very many, unfortunately. So yeah, um, we don't want to like look ahead and spoil too much because I'm sure one day we'll play the game again. It's on my to do list. Yep. So, final thoughts on the story. Uh, I, I don't think it's any secret that I, I've made my feelings known that I thought this was a fantastic story overall. Um, it, I thought the pacing, maybe you could argue it started a little slow, but also it was trying to like get you warmed up to the game. Um, it is a long game, but it is very much worth it because this story is, especially once you hit Psy, and you get to that casino and the interrogation, it just takes off and goes. And there, it's not boring. It's really intricate. It really uses, it pulls in stuff from the past. It, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good story. And like we said, all the characters are really enjoyable. So it's like the characters really elevate everything. I do think that there are parts that drag, um, especially when you're not doing like the palace stuff. Um, you can sometimes go like, a couple weeks without anything like, you know, super interesting happening in the story. Um, but how it all sort of comes together towards the end is fantastic. And I said this before, but you kind of feel like just a, a, a gang of badasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, the main story stuff is really good. And uh, I do think that they go on a little too long at points. Like sometimes it feels like the characters are saying the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um but overall, I really, really enjoyed the story. And there were parts where I was riveted. And again, I wasn't even playing. I was just like watching what was happening. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a really good story. And so we will rate that next time. But, yeah, is there anything else in the story we should talk about before we move on to the outro? Um, not currently. I think we can talk about it more on the next episode if we need to. All right. Let's roll on. Heart of mine, can I find some time? And rivers settle darling, the last day still lost it. When the hop of new beginnings burned our feet, now we need it, a heartbeat for a demon. Always these sinners Reminders for here for 
So uh, somehow I knew you'd save that one for the last. <laughs> I debated on whether to put that uh, in the middle spot or that spot, but uh, <laughs> that again, that that track is amazing. You That's a banger. Rivers in the desert. Look it up. <laughs> but let's uh, go ahead and wrap up here. Um, so next week we will be doing the. We're going to go back to something we were going to do last week and talk about the worst RPG mechanics. You know, Final Fantasy 16 was dropped on us, so it's like, we got to talk about that. (laughs) Um, But we're we're finally going to be revisiting that subject. And then the week after that is when we will be finishing the Persona 5 review. We'll be talking about the gameplay, the uh, graphics, the music, um, and do our final rankings and all that. I finally get to rank this sucker. Yes. um, We might have a special surprise on that episode. We'll wait and see. I don't want to reveal it yet in case it doesn't happen. Um, But yeah, that's what's coming up. And we look forward to joining you. Yeah. Next week will be a normal episode with uh, Jay and Rich back again. (laughs) Boring. Um, No kidding. Love you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For the RPG Club, one more reminder. If you are participating, you have until October 4th to finish the game in Wild Arms. This will be the final uh, warning for that. Um, So, yeah, again, we'll be meeting on October 4th. And just so you guys know, that same day will be when nominations open to our patrons to start nominating the next RPG Club game. All right. So moving on to our plugs. Uh, One way you can help out the show that we would really appreciate if you go onto your podcatcher app, uh, whether it be iTunes or Spotify or well, I don't think Spotify actually has a review system, but most do. Leave us a review. Uh, five stars, please. You can be honest, but we, we prefer five stars. Is that illegal <laughs> to ask for that? I don't know. No. But it helps the show you're reviewing uh, out quite a bit. It, the way the formula and the algorithms work is it sort of boosts the visibility of the show, helps more people find it. So we would really appreciate that. But perhaps an even better way you can help out the show if you enjoy the show and you want to support these guys, go to their Patreon. Throw a little bit of money at these guys to help uh, the show grow and improve. Some of the things you get are the early episode access, as Scott mentioned at the top. Um, sometimes they come out as early as Monday. So um, you'll get to listen before anybody else. You don't have to listen to the anchor ads anymore. Uh, you'll get to listen to the aftercast shows where we get a little more I guess you could say controversial if you want, uh, a little more loose-lipped. Uh, you'll get a bunch of extra reviews. Me and Scott have done a lot of extra reviews on, uh, especially like Nintendo games. So there's all of those. There's a big catalog of that. Uh, you get to participate uh, in the RPG Club where you can nominate a game and vote on the game to see who, uh, see what game we're all going to be playing. Uh, and plenty more. So go over to patreon.com slash RPG after years to donate to the show. Yeah. And just in case you weren't sure, um, we do have like sort of a backlog of bonus content that's available now. So if you subscribe, you get all of that. It's not like you only get stuff that you we release going forward. So there's plenty of content out there that you can uh, grab from us. <laughs> um, another thing that can help the podcast and maybe help yourself uh, we have a merch store. We've got mugs, shirts, all kinds of products you can think of. Um, it's, it's like a ridiculous amount of stuff you can get. It's got our album art and our logo on it. We're going to get some new designs soon, I think. Um, but you can find that at Redbubble. Just search RP, redbubble.com. Just search RPG after years. 
You can also join us on Twitch. We are live usually every Sunday starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time. We are currently live now. Um, But every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, hop onto Twitch uh, and you can actually just watch the guys live. That is uh, twitch.tv slash RPG after years. And be a part of the show. As far as if you want to reach out to us and connect, uh, we do have an email. You can send your thoughts for like episode suggestions or feedback or anything like that uh, to our email, which is rpgafteryears at gmail.com. And again, if you want to interact with the uh, the overall community and not just the hosts or anything, there is a, a pretty, uh, pretty banging uh, discord where um, there's a lot of activity, a lot of conversation, um, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on over there. So uh, head over there. You can find the link uh, in the show notes or you can go to their Twitter account and it is uh, in the pinned tweet at the top of their timeline. Speaking of Twitter, you can find the show at RPG years and you can find me at the Scott spot and you can find me at VFL Corey with an E. And that'll do it for this week's episode. We're going to take off in our cat van for now. (laughs) (laughs) The Morgan copter. Yes. And next week we will have the final session of the wild arms RPG club. But until then I'm Scott. And I am Corey. We'll catch you guys next time for episode 35 of the RPG After Years. See Keep you guys your personas later. personas in check. <laughs> right? <laughs>